is brought to you by the Arc from Verve. If you want to improve your posture, the Arc has you covered. Developed by a physical therapist, designed by an engineer, made in the USA, the Arc is going to improve your posture and relieve that neck and back pain once and for all. What is up, guys? Welcome to the brand new Strength Doc podcast hosted by UpDoc Media with me, Dr. John Russin. I want to get one thing clear. This is not going to be your average fitness podcast, and I'm sure as hell not your run-of-the-mill strength coach. Hey guys, Dr. John Russin back with a brand new episode of the Strength Doc Podcast hosted by UpDoc Media. Today, we have one of the top hybrid strength coaches in the world with us, Tim Francesco, who is the strength and conditioning coordinator of the LA Lakers. Tim also happens to be a DPT, and he really synergizes these two professions together with physical therapy and performance at one of the highest levels in professional sports. Let's get right into this episode with my man, Tim DeFrancesco. What's going on, guys? Dr. John Russin back with a brand new podcast of the Strength Doc Podcast, hosted by UpDoc Media. Today, I have head strength and conditioning coach for the Los Angeles Lakers and the owner of TD Athletics Edge, Tim DeFrancesco with us. What's going on, Tim? What's happening, John? Appreciate you having me on. It's, it's going to be fun. We'll, we'll break it down here. Yeah, man. I had to wait until after the season, you know, thinking that I was doing you a favor, like, okay, Tim, you can come on the show after the season ends up. But you just told me that you're even busier now than you were in season. So sorry about that, man. Oh, no worries. No, no. It's, it's, there's, there's not really a, a better time than another. So I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled we could make it work with as busy as you are. And, and as, as, uh, wacky as my schedule is, it'll, it, it's, uh, uh, getting on here is quite a feat, so uh, pat, <laughs> pat each other on the back for that one. Yeah, for sure, but you know everyone's so busy, like the kind of guys that I want to have on this show, like usually we have to schedule them way out in advance because right. you know people are doing important shit, especially yep. when you're yep. at the top of the game like you are, but um, the reason I wanted to really bring you on today is because we have a lot of aspiring DPT slash strength coaches, you know, the so-called hybrid strength yeah. coach out there that look at you at the top of the you know the career epitome of what people want to get to and they ask you know Tim like how did you get there you know we all know that you went to DPT school you know you were a strength coach and you caught some really great breaks and you were at the right place at the right time I mean I've heard your story a million times and it gets me fired up every single time but yeah. I, I want to bring it back to when you were in DPT you know after ATC after all that stuff when you were in school did you know for like 100% that you wanted to get into performance or did you end up figuring that out later on when you hit the, uh, the orthopedic clinic? No, I didn't know. I, I remember having a conversation <clears throat> with a buddy of mine sitting outside of a classroom getting ready for a uh, exam and, and a practical exam which which were were some of my my least favorites. I still kind of <laughs> cringe at these these professors who were like, you know, uh, just tapping their fingers together, waiting for their next victim, and <laughs> and uh, see 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 what kind of curveballs they could throw at us, right? So so I I think one of us had just finished and and one was getting ready to go in and and we were just sort of having this nervous conversation of of keep each other's mind off of what was happening and my buddy says so i think i'm going to take the cscs and and um 
what do you what are you thinking? You're probably gonna take that. And I'm I'm just like trying to figure out how I'm gonna get through the next five minutes of this practical <laughs> exam. And I remember saying to him, Hell no. And and um and and so it, it it it's just a perfect example of at that moment in time you can you can be so have have the blinders on in in what tunnel that you're trying to get through at that moment and not realize that it wasn't until after the fact that I I figured out that okay if whatever credential series of letters we're talking about I mean I mentioned the CSCS but for diving into that performance aspect was what was going to give me goosebumps. And I, I use that term because I think that's what, where, however, and whenever you find that out, that that's really what you, you've got to uncover. And, and, and so for me, it did not, I, I didn't know that in PT school. Man, that seems crazy to me because, you know, I know you're an athlete growing up and it was it that you didn't know that you could synergize like these two things together to, uh, you know, make it back yeah. in strength and conditioning because it was just so rare at the time or were yeah. you just like so focused in on school that nothing else was really on your radar? I, I think it was just, I, I was so focused in on school. It was like, you know, for me, it was, it was just. I'm trying to think, okay, these next three years in DPT school, <clears throat> I mean, I'm, I tend to be an all in guy and I'm, I'm fairly good at being really, really zoned into the moment. And sometimes I think that's, that's really, a lot of times that's really helped me along the ways. But when you're, when you're in that zone, sometimes the, the blinders can be so thick. I, I think it was just like, I was, I was scratching clong and trying to grab oxygen tanks along the way to make it, make it through, make it through that, that beautiful experience of PT school. And I, I just wasn't allowing myself to put it all together in the back of my mind, in the heart of my hearts. I, I, I think I probably, I knew the answer and, and immediately gravitated as soon as I was through those trenches of PT school. But, but it, it, in, in that moment, it was hard for me to see that. Yeah, I, I can definitely relate to that because, you know, anyone who's been through like a, a higher end degree, it's a grind no matter what you're in. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you just got to take it one step at a time. But yeah, you know, you, uh, I love your website because as soon as you hit like about Tim, you know, it yeah. has like this, this line of like year to year, like how you made it to be the head strength and conditioning coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah. And like things happen pretty quickly. You know, you got out of school and right away, it seems like you just started getting experience. You knew what you wanted to do. Right. And then you took a risk and you went out to Bakersfield and right. you literally just went out on a limb and you you did work that not a whole lot of people would have taken at the time because you know when you graduate DPT school you're looking at having like this six figure salary you're going to sit there you're going to have yeah. your 401k you're going to have your health insurance paid for you yeah. and you know that's an easy route to go but uh you know many of our listeners here on this podcast and, and my followers they're always aspiring to do something a little bit you know left or right of the norm yeah. And uh, I feel like that's a route that you took. And like, bring me through that. So you graduated, 
you headed to the orthopedic outpatient and you started up TD Athletics Edge. Yep. Like, uh, bring me back to there and, you know, kind of how you got into uh, the performance training side of things when you were currently working in like the traditional PT setting as well. Yeah. So for me, it was a lot of people don't know this or don't don't realize this, but I exactly right. I was fresh out of PT school, starting up at this outpatient sports medicine based uh, PT clinic. And one of the things they had there was a was was a HydroWorks therapy pool. And for anybody that's not familiar, it's it's by far the best uh, therapy or performance based uh, clinical or sports medicine based pool that you can that you can find on the market it's it's essentially got a a treadmill built into the bottom of the pool and and there's a fair amount a, a tremendous amount of of different activities and 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 training and rehab approaches you can implement in that modality and so they at that clinic they were primarily when i first got there using that for strictly rehab based activity or re- rehab based work and i started fooling around in there at, at my lunch times and and this is what i was talking about i i you know immediately after i got out of those pt school trenches that i had the blinders on it was like just get through this it was immediately getting ready to to uh, could could absolutely at that moment see okay this is there's more to it to to explore here than the the basic rehab clinic and so I'm doing these things in, in at lunchtime and there's a big bay window into the pool area and my my new coworkers were like I mean who who did you just hire to the boss like who, who who's this who's this wacky guy doing these these funky things in the in the pool doing like plyometric style activities in the pool and stuff and splashing around but I'm in there and I'm like this this stuff could really work I mean there's some stuff here that might help some guys that I, I was starting to train some people on the side including some some basketball players that were getting ready for a to to try out at the uh, minor league level and and um so I start bringing them in there, and I'm I'm doing some stuff, and they're like, "Man, this is this is awesome because we can get such a good workout with you in here, explosive actions and and whatnot, and not feel the the soreness, fatigue, and and exhaustion we feel after just repeated land based workouts." So my my point there is like I was starting to with TD Athletes Edge the the first. It, it, that quickly evolved into I, I was I was actually making basketball hoops with with breakaway rims. So I I would like buy a rollaway basketball hoop with a breakaway rim, and I would I would ba- basically reconstruct it so that it would sit on the edge of the pool, and we would have a breakaway rim in this pool with a treadmill. <laughs> And this is like this is how TD Athletes Edge started, and it was actually called TD Hoops Edge, and a pretty pretty uh, pretty snazzy logo, uh, Hoops Edge H two O. Okay, so <laughs> so oh yeah, I was I was like I was about to take over the world of of aquatic basketball training. Um, so so I quickly found out that that's quite a pigeonholed world and and there's you know a, lot, a fair amount of limitation for yeah, talk about niches oh my yeah. god <laughs> <laughs> right right so 
you know, a lot of people that have known me for a long time, oh, they still ask me like, "Hey, are you still doing that aquatic stuff with the basketball hoop?" And and um, uh, it, it just it's funny how it, it it what it takes to to you know how things evolve. But I think what I did was here's what I had in front of me. Here's uh, what I enjoyed doing, which was help athletes solve the puzzle of performance, and let's let's just rock and roll. I mean, let's let's see what comes of it, and and eventually it, it all sort of continued to progress to the point where you know where we are now, but where where I am now. But um, uh, yeah, so that that's just quick backstory backstory on TD Athletes Edge and and where where uh, where my passion for the whole thing kind of began man that's an unbelievable story because you literally had like one tool in front of you you're like yeah oh, this is pretty novel you know no, not a whole lot of people have this at their disposal and your mind was just going to the point where you you didn't necessarily know but you're like man this really turned into something because yeah. you just you know you had a tool in front of you and you just used it as well as you possibly could right uh, you don't usually you know you would never have pick that route would you you know you would have rather been in this high performance center with everything at your disposal but yeah you had a pool and a treadmill underwater <laughs> exactly exactly and and um and yeah so i mean it, i was just having fun with it i was seeing seeing how it could help the athletes figure out the the things they needed to to do to make it to the next level and and it's uh it, it's just funny how things can can sometimes get started so far away from where they end up Oh man, I mean, when you were doing the aquatic training, you were in the physical therapy clinic. What was like the game-changing point where you knew that you were going to do something that was going to sit more on the performance side of things as opposed to the therapy side? That's a great question, and the the, the answer is so easy, and will always uh, it, it's burned in my mind. And and so, <clears throat> one of my first patients baseball player high school baseball player and he's got like some uh pretty gnarly cuff uh tendonitis stuff going on and and really limiting him from being able to throw or anything and i'm like i'm just thrilled this is one of my first patients because it it, it was what i what i wanted it was what i what I was hoping the the clinic setting would be. I'm going to be working with athletes of whatever level and I'm getting them back to sport. So we're doing all the stuff. I mean, all the stuff that we learned and in, in, I learned in school and, and we're, he and I are going through all the steps and the rehab's going really well and gets to basically the point where it's time to discharge this kid. And, and I'm so excited. I did my job. I, I put my my skills to use that I just toiled in school for 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 three years and and I was I was just I couldn't have been happier. So we get to the discharge and the kid is like, okay, awesome. So yeah, thanks. I mean, the pain is gone and everything. And and um, what what's the? Uh, I just have a question for you. What what what's the like how do I get back to playing baseball? And 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 so I'm like I'm just stymied at this moment because I'm like I thought I just did that for you. But but there's this there's this middle no man's land zone that I didn't really hit for him. I didn't 
he hadn't got back to throwing a baseball. I mean, in the clinic setting, you're you're bordered, you're you're boxed in by insurance-based policies and rules, and so on and so forth. And and I had done a great job of of doing that, what you can do in that setting, but that didn't truly solve for him getting him back to the thing that he wanted to do, which was play baseball. And I'm supposed to, I'm now in this position where he, his question made me realize like, okay, I'm handing him off to nothing. Essentially I'm handing him off. I'm handing him off to, okay, go show up at practice tomorrow. And, and, you know, and so, so for me, that was, that was it. That was like, okay, we got to, we, we have to, um, you know, I'm sort of like talking to myself here, like, okay, I, I, I have to figure out a way that, that I can be in a better position to help people get, you know, get back to performance, whatever that means for them. Well, it's that gray area between rehab and performance, right? I mean, mm -hmm. everyone listening to this podcast right now, they've had clients and patients that kind of sit within this gray area. In our in our current day medical model, especially like in North America, you know, you you do your job as a physical therapist, a traditional based physical therapist, and you hand somebody off. But are you really doing your job yeah. to as good as possibly you can? Uh, you know, re-injury rates are huge right now. They're running rampant in yeah. our, you know, physical society. And that begs the question, like, what is our job as a physical therapist? Is it right. to get somebody out of pain and get them back to whatever they're doing? Or is it to do both of those things and prevent re-injury rates? Like, uh, this is quite the question. I always ponder with myself every single time that we have somebody in the office because I think you're not doing your job if they come back to you six months later, a year later, two years later with that exact same injury or yeah. on the contralateral side, something where you can really correlate it into the kinetic chain. You know, that, that's a huge problem right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I, I did that same thing. Uh, I can go back very similar to your story. And uh, at the time I was working at a sports performance clinic out in San Diego and mm -hmm. I was kind of doing the strength coach thing, doing the sports performance PT thing. And yeah. I ended up getting a lot of athletes training with me after we quote unquote discharged them from physical therapy. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, man, like, what's the deal with this? You know, usually right. they should just be moving back into sport, but I actually had to train them again. And it, it wasn't to the level of like the normal strength coaches that were taking the big groups at this facility, but it was sure. somewhere in between. And that was an eye opener for me because there was something more to that equation. Yeah, exactly. No, that's, that's, that's exactly right. So, so for me, that was, that was the, the, the connection point that I hadn't quite made, but that, that made the connection for me. Like, okay, I need to, I need to open up into how I, how I expose and then solve that, that no man's land zone. And, and what, what do I have in my tool set to be able to do that? What do I need to continue to put into my tool set to do that? Yeah. Early on, so one of my biggest mentors uh, taught me a lot early on in my career in physical therapy. I remember this like it was yesterday. He's like, John, we can only get people to about 85 or 90 percent of the way back. Yeah. I'm like, well, what the hell? Like, what about the other 15 percent? And they're like, right. they just got to figure it out themselves. And I thought that was such BS because yeah. like, yeah. how can we leave 15 percent 
of performance and rehab on the table. Yeah. Like that made no sense to me. Uh, you know, at the time I was very young and ignorant, but still to right. this day, it doesn't make sense to me. And that's what we're trying to do, you know, with our clients that we deal with. And I know you're doing the same. Yeah, without a doubt. Now, like along the same lines here, like you obviously saw that, you know, that one baseball player made a difference in your thought process. But where did you take it from there? Like, are you looking at uh, just the performance model? Is everything holistically together? Or do you still, in your mind, separate out the two professions? I, you know, I it's, it is it is one to me. I mean, I, I think that there's an incredible need for rehab clinicians to grasp and understand strength and conditioning or traditional strength building principles and and a place for that in that early rehab an application for that in in the early rehab stages and i think there's an incredible need and and necessity for strength and conditioning or performance pros to grasp really really critical rehabilitation and and um, physical therapy principles at, at a at a basic level as well. So I I just I kind of once I put these dots t- together. Um, again, I, I I'm by no means sitting here saying I knew from an early age that it it had to be it all had to be put together. But once I connected those 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 dots together, it was like well. Yeah, I mean, what else would pair together better than strength and conditioning background and and gra- and understanding a, with with physical therapy background and understanding they they really to me are the same. They go hand in hand. It's just where you choose to apply those, whether it's in the clinic or on the field. Now, I'm going to ask you a tough question here, so sorry in advance, but. Do you think that you would have been in the position, you know, to go out to the D League to eventually get the head strength conditioning coach job with the LA Lakers if you didn't have a DPT behind your name? Okay, so there's two parts to that question. I I do feel that I I would have been able to likely go into the D League and get a um, with my use my ATC. Um, license and, and credentials to to go into the D League and, and secure a position there, but would I the the to the second part of the question the big part of the question I tell people this all the time not a chance am I working for the Lakers today if two things I don't take that risk and go get that job in the D League B uh, there not a chance am I working for the Lakers today if I don't have a DPT when I did that. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there's, there's absolutely no question in my mind that, I mean, a, why, why are, why necessarily would the Lakers look for somebody who had had no experience with at least minor league level basketball players. And so there goes how important my, my D league experience was. But B, specifically, our head athletic trainer who's just retired, Gary Vitti, after 30-plus years as a, as a legend in the field, was looking for 
somebody who could run the floor of the weight room as a strength and conditional strength, a strength and conditioning pro does and needs to do with a perspective of, 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 of physical therapist and the background that that brings. So yeah, that, I mean, that's, uh, I think hopefully that answers that. Yeah, it does. And, uh, you know, to me, you're like the poster boy of the hybrid coach at the highest level. And you're definitely like an inspiration, not only for me, but many of the people that I associate closely with that are doing amazing things in the industry. Because I think there is something to be said about having the experience, the academic knowledge that always sits in the back of your mind. So if you watch movement as a strength coach, you're always going to have to be wearing that uh, DPT hat as well. Even if you don't necessarily think you are because, you know, knowledge is a curse because you can never get away from it once you have it. But I think that's what's making uh, definitely in the NBA, but in professional sport worldwide in general, uh, very attractive for sporting teams to have strength and conditioning coaches that do have a very, very strong background in the rehabilitative sciences. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that, that, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, that's, that's where, that's where it's headed. And I think that's where it needs to, needs to be. I, I just, as I talked about earlier in one of your other questions, it was, it, it just, you have to be extremely literate and comfortable with the, the, the movement skill and the, and, and assessing and, and, um, improving asymmetries, whatever it might be, uh, if, if you're going to be in charge of loading people up. Oh, I agree so much. And, you know, I used to think that, you know, the best physical therapists were coaches beforehand. So, you yeah. know, they knew how to really deal with a non-painful, non-dysfunctional, whatever that means, population. And then they could see what the other side of the equation was. But more and more in the last, like, year or two, I'm starting to think that the best strength coaches also are doing that in reverse order. They're going to have the knowledge base to work with a dysfunctional mover or a painful mover because honestly, you know, 90% of the population is dysfunctional or painful at any given time. Yep. And they can really just equate that to better human performance just from that background. <laughs> yeah, no question. Now, have you seen that trend in the NBA now? I know you've been uh, in LA for, was it going on five years now? Yeah, this was the finish to my fifth season, yep. Wow. So in that five years, have you seen a difference between um, where it was five years ago and, you know, going into next season, the type of people that, uh, you know, professional sporting organizations are going after in the roles of PT and strength coach? Big difference. I I think there's a couple of different places we can sort of pinpoint as as big changes from five years ago to where I came in that that didn't really – hadn't really been <clears throat> evolved or, or um, flushed out from from the people making hires. And, and so, first of all, what, what we're talking about here primarily is this idea of more of a physical therapy-based model for the staffing. And, and I mean, now you're, you're seeing a lot of these positions being created or, or being um, – implemented that are whatever you want to call them their their director of medical their director of performance and and rehab their coordinator of of um of you know performance D- different terminology a lot of it semantics but the the bottom line is a lot of those people 
in those roles are doctors of physical therapy. And it's because of, I think, people's recognition of, of how important that ability to assess uh, the human body and in, in, a, in a really, really granular way f- figure out the the overall assessment baseline levels, but then how to put it back together or build it up to the point where any limitations, any issues that will uh, cost a person a career, but cost a, an organization a lot of money, you know, how to, how to avoid that. So I think those are the things that weren't really happening five years ago that you're seeing all over the place, um, where not only are they these you're seeing PTs more and more in the weight room, but you're you're seeing PTs more and more as like coordinating and directing staffs, and and so the other piece is this this major major collision and 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 joining of worlds of of technology and sport and. That is where you have this this position of whether you like it or not, this position of of sports scientist. Yeah. And that often also overlaps and is expected that the strength and conditioning coach or strength and conditioning pref- professional for an organization for a team has a very strong grasp if if not is the also sort of wearing the hat of the quote unquote sports scientist. And um, it's an interesting one. I mean, I I have some mixed feelings there. I I, I think that five years ago, people e- either a had never heard the term sports scientist in the NBA, or if they had, they didn't really know what it meant. And and I I think it's it's such a refined, specific knowledge and skill set that. In my opinion, you you can't you can't say necessarily. I mean, as a strength coach, I do think you should have a, a an extremely tight and strong grasp of of what sports science is and how technology it can it affect and and improve the training environment of 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 your athletes, but what I've found in my own experience is I've for a lot of my five years here been expected to sort of also just kind of wear that hat on the side and it's its own discipline i mean it's its own now curriculum and and skill set and and there's schools and there's programs within schools that that are strictly designed to prepare people to come out as athlete management or athlete monitoring specialists and so it's a, I mean, I, we could go on a whole top, a whole podcast about just, <laughs> just this idea of, of sports scientists and, and where technology fits in what we're doing. But I mean, those are the big, big changes that, that they, they didn't exist. I mean, five years ago, I didn't know, I told the people that hired me, yes, I definitely understand where technology and sport is and, and I'm, I'm fully aware of and enjoy staying on top of the latest, greatest pieces of, of technology and sport. And realize now that I when I said that I had zero clue of <laughs> of what was about to happen in the next five years with with the collision of, of technology and sport and I mean I've done my my best to say 
on top of all of it because you, you have to. I mean, that's that's a part of the deal now. So it's um, yeah, there's a lot going on. Man, that, so that's so interesting because, you know, just from what you described, I've seen the same thing. But, you know, the emergence of the physical therapist strength coach that is largely based on, you know, biomechanical <clears throat> principles and movement science, you know, something yeah. that you look at with both of your eyes and you judge whether a movement pattern is going to be functional, dysfunctional or lead to an injury. Then you have the opposite side of things that is becoming more prevalent in the NBA and other sporting organizations as well. That is you know, sports science that people don't necessarily look at a, like a movement quality from, you know, a perceived eye, but it's more of the analytics of everything. Um, exactly. It's like bringing those two things together, but they're polar opposites. And I think definitely um, there is advantages and disadvantages to having both of those things. But if you can synergize them together, like that's the best of both worlds. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's certainly, easier said than done. And it's, it takes, it takes a village to do it. And, and, uh, and it really takes specialists in all those areas to, to come together on the same page is, is just what I've learned in in the past five years. Now, are you the Christopher Columbus of (gasps) DPT strength coaches in the NBA? Or was there somebody before you? Um, let's see. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I think my great friend and, and exceptional strength coach slash clinician, I, I, I think that Mike Elliott uh, for the Phoenix Suns, um, he, he, he did a lot of the brush clearing along that path uh, before I, I zipped in shortly after. But uh, uh, so I think that credit goes to Mike Elliott if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So the way I said it with the Christopher Columbus, that could actually be a negative thing. But yeah. <laughs> I think you got what I was going with that. I got, I got you. I got you. Now, I mean, you're in L.A. It's been five years. Now, when you look back at the last five years, obviously you're still learning. You're still doing new things. But what's like the next big thing for you, the Lakers, and really the next big thing in keeping people functioning and healthy on the court in the NBA? Okay, so it's it's both cut. There's a there's a cutting edge and evolving, exciting piece to this answer, and there's a really tried and true piece to this answer. So, first of all, it's it's a matter of how you incorporate all of these new pieces to the puzzle into, you know, which I just referred to into, into one high functioning staff and, and, and unit that, that best serves the, the audience of, of NBA players in front of us. <clears throat> so more specifically, it's a matter of creating a culture of athlete care and monitoring because whether you like it or not, that's that's not going anywhere. It's, it's only going to be more and more ways uh, each day that come out that that give us a deeper look inside and a, a ability to assess the athlete. If you want to consider it from you know vid- video analysis tools that that are becoming more and more um, uh, m- more and more precise by the day or whether you want to look at it from the standpoint of wearable technologies that are becoming less and less invasive and, and more and more um, specific and precise uh, by the day in their own right. So how do you 
how do you create a culture around all that where the athlete feels like what you're poking and prodding and collecting from them is absolutely necessary, but then being and but then valuable in terms of be, making better decisions for for that athlete. So, you you need to create this culture where athletes are bought into what you're doing because you're not overdoing. You're doing what it takes, and they see what you're doing being being um, having decisions made off of off of that information, and. Then the other the other trick is in the world of strength and conditioning or performance. There's so many toys and and whistles and bells that are are available now from the product standpoint, but from the the, the different types of exercises that people are are coming up with, and they look flashy and they look really cool on on YouTube and all that stuff, but. How do you keep yourself grounded and reined in to the the stuff that really is tried and true? The the stuff that that has been the some of the only stuff that's that's been really specifically proven to do what I believe my job is to do, which is my my job is to make sure these guys are hardened and prepared and robust enough to step out and do the thing that they get paid to do play basketball for 82 games and that's just not including eight regular uh, preseason games and hopefully if you're lucky a number of of playoff games and and so to me the answer to that is is keeping yourself grounded to traditional strength and conditioning principles approaches and strategies you know i i just did a presentation at the NBA combine or at the during the NBA combine at, at the NBSCA National Basketball Strength and Conditioning Association conference where I basically stood up there and said guys the the tendons the ligaments the bones the things the support structures for our guys that are going to allow them to go through what we ask them to go through on a daily nightly basis over a career they respond and get stronger by went by by from to one thing primarily and and that one thing is lifting heavy shit yeah so so you know there's a long answer but i mean it's 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 a it's a complex subject i mean when it comes down to it human performance optimizing that but also keeping people healthy there's no faking the foundational principles of exercise science and movement anatomy like exactly you have to nail those things down or you're not going to be as successful as you could potentially be but those things are hard because in our society right now everyone loves that sexy exercise on youtube you know they see you know guys you know, that are making $25 million a year training in some specialty boutique halfway across the world doing an exercise they've never seen before. And yep. all of a sudden, the next season, you see it in uh, every every high school team in America. But, you know, the, the unsexy stuff, the foundational stuff that you're talking about, it is tried, it is true, and it's things that we know work. 
uh, you know, when you see it for 10, 20, 30 years and you see results from it, you know, it's hard to go, uh, you know, very far away deviating from what is known and what is true. And I, I see the MBA being a little bit more advanced with, uh, you know, the new training methodologies than many yeah. other sports. But like, you know, sports like baseball and football, it's hugely traditionalist. Yeah, it is. And I mean, you have to you have to sort of recognize what happens in the um, when when there's when there's that moment when you're the person in in my seat and you're looking a player in the eye and it's very easy to get caught up in well let me do something that is gonna they've never seen before let me show them an exercise that it, it just it just really gasses them and they get they get all excited because of that or um or whatever it might be the other side being a lot of times it's it's easier to get a guy to do a um exciting looking uh exercise on an apparatus that somebody hasn't done and it's it's challenging and tricky but it's not as as grinding kind of down and dirty hard in the way that doing a uh, barbell deadlift is so there's all those pieces that all those things that go on that that are it just makes it so easy for people to to lose sight or to stray from the things that really really are important and I'm, I'm not saying you just show up every Monday and do bench press and, and finish finish the week off with some deadlifts I mean it's 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 obviously much more complex than that but we just my, my point being we, we have to stay rooted in, in the stuff that that really does prepare those support structures for the superhuman workloads that we're putting on them oh I, I agree hundred and ten percent. Now, when you look at your role as a head strength and conditioning coach in the NBA, what is your number one focus? Is it preventing injury? Is it getting guys back on the court after injury? Is it performance? You know, obviously it's a combination of all these things, but what's the number one focus that's always in your mind when you have these guys, you know, hitting the iron in the gym? Yeah, I think I think it's I think it's got to be injury prevention that you're you're always going back to that you're always tied to first and foremost it's it i'm i don't see a huge need for saying well this guy already jumps through the through the through the gym you know so to speak let's try to see if we can make them jump through the universe i mean <laughs> it's it, it just because here's what here's what happens when you do that you, you're training to get them become go from a free athlete to more of a freak athlete and faster jump higher sounds really cool and and sounds great to everybody but when you go faster and you jump higher you have to somehow slow down from going faster and somehow land from jumping higher in a way that is now even more potentially dangerous than it was before and so not taking that into account, it can it can kind of get away from you. It, it can become a really slippery slope, and and um, and so I I think under you know recognizing what these guys have to do and and what 
it is that you're there for. To me, it's 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 just yeah. Make make sure that they're protected to go do what they need to do for 82 game minimum. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, you know, the way it was described to me a couple of years ago uh, from somebody who worked in pro sports was as a strength and conditioning coach, you're like a hedge fund manager and you have like $200 million to work with on a yearly basis. Right. It's like, how much of that money can you keep? And can you actually make money at the end of the year, like in terms of like winning, right. winning playoff games? Right. And I was like, whoa, you know, that is one hell of an analogy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's always stuck with me because, you know, first and foremost, we got to keep our guys healthy. Yep. I mean, exactly. Health is number one. And I think uh, just from what you described, that's why these hybrid coaches are becoming more and more prominent in pro yep. sports, because if that's the number one priority, the guy to do that is the one that knows about injuries and preventing them. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's. It's one powerful thing to synergize those two aspects of human performance together. And I think, you know, guys like you are really at the forefront of this and, you know, making it more mainstreamed, which is going to help everyone out. You know, all those kids sitting in DPT school right now listening to this, myself included here. Um, you know, there's certain guys in the industry that open up doors for everyone else. It's like you don't even know what's possible until somebody actually goes and does it. Yeah. And once one guy does it and has success, it's huge for everyone else. Yeah. I No, I appreciate that. I, I think what happened for me is to circle back on some of the stories that I told earlier was I just, I just realized that uh, to, to use the term I used earlier, for me, the, 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 knowledge and skill set that I had accumulated from having the DBT is absolutely critical and I tap into it constantly. But for me, what is it on a daily basis that gives me goosebumps? It's it's being on the floor in the weight room. So, you know, wherever you fit in all those different avenues that are now there and, and being created uh, on a daily, you know, constantly within the uh, profession, it's just you have to figure out with your skill set, with your with your expertise, where what is it within all of that 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 gives you goosebumps and 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 just just hone in on it. Man, I want to end this up, but I know that you are in Louisville right now. So I, uh, if you could like humor me for the last question on this podcast, like break me down your last couple of days on the travel schedule and what you've been uh, doing, uh, because uh, I don't uh. think people realize what kind of schedule that you and some of these other high performing strength coach, physical therapists run on a daily basis in pro sports. Right. So the, this is, this is like, I mean, this is easy travel time of year for me. I, um, so on Tuesday, I got on a plane from LA got to Chicago. We, as a group, the NBSCA got together and, and we have meetings and, and continuing, ed, continuing education uh, per, uh, per presentations all week long. And we also orchestrate and coordinate the combine, so do all the testing. So from Tuesday through Saturday, including a presentation that I gave, there was really just essentially you're up at 7 a.m. in meetings by by 8 and, and you're having organizational uh, reception dinners until 11, 
if not later, depending on when the bar closes, PM. And and so it it's so so I I do that whole thing, and then one of our guys is in Louisville now, one of our players with the Lakers, and and I I uh, had to zip down to Louisville from Chicago and work with him on a daily basis from uh from basically let's see sunday and i'll get back on the plane go back to chicago uh quick layover there and hit la hopefully be uh, in la in time to have dinner on wednesday night with 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 my wife for the first time in in um over a week so um so that's like this is like easy travel. I, I'll take you to a period in um, December. I, I believe it was December uh, of this season where we had over the course of a 12 day period, we hit, I think it was nine different cities. Wow. And so what that means, it, it sounds daunting at, at uh, face value enough, but sort of what that means is you fly into, let's say uh, you fly into Toronto on a Saturday, you play Toronto, you play the Raptors on a, on a Sunday afternoon game, you fly then to Chicago, you might get to Chicago by um, uh, probably 8 p.m. Uh, somewhere 8 to 10 p.m. You you play Chicago the next day and then fly out to um, Detroit. So uh, you that that Chicago game is a night game. You're you're probably not getting to Detroit until about in your bed by three to four a.m. and Suddenly, then you've got to, as the sun's coming up, figure out how to shut your body down, get some sleep because you have a 10 a.m. staff meeting or, or team meeting. And at that point, it's after that meeting, time to go to the arena to start getting prepped for uh, pregame routines, pregame preparation um, game that night. And then you're off to the next city. So, I mean, that's just a little snapshot. I mean, it's uh, it's it's. It's nonstop. It's it's uh, you've got to really have a have a thick skin to just keep putting up with it. So it's uh, it's a challenge. Yeah, it's the privilege to do that schedule, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah, man, I could I could grill you on so many more questions here, but I know you're busy, so uh, we're gonna get you out of here on this one. But let me know uh, where you guys can be found, uh, your website, your social media, and also any events that you have coming up, because I think you have uh, an event coming up this summer, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So uh, you can anybody can can contact and and connect with us through primarily on our our website www.tdathletesedge.com i'm also very active on social media uh twitter instagram facebook um, twitter instagram we're at td athletes edge td athletes edge and um youtube our youtube channel is is putting up regular 
um, exercise-based instruction and, and thought-based within the industry-based uh, instruction videos and, and can obviously search us there, TD Athletes Edge. Um, the, the upcoming event that I'm super excited for is, is a webinar that I'm going to be doing on July 19th and the sign up for that is directly on our website uh, on the on the home page there there's a link to the sign up for that and um, I'm I'm so excited for it because it's a chance for me to share uh, really really peel back the layers of of a lot of the things I I just sort of touched on with you today but sharing my experiences of navigating the the wild and crazy and and constantly growing world of um of rehab uh, strength and conditioning, performance, sports medicine, all of that is, is there's so much going on there and it can be hard to know exactly where to start as a, as a, as somebody starting to kind of get their feet from, from school into, into the pro trenches and, and ultimately how do you not only figure out where to get started, but how do you nail down and target and go after the, the thing I kept referring to in, in our discussion today, but what what it is that gives you goosebumps i mean i also use the term what is your super bowl and i think that that is it's it's an exhausting profession whether or not you're you're going to spend nine uh it, you know you're going to sp- spend time in nine cities in 12 days like you would if you're working for an nba team it's it's it, it we're we're there to um you know, serve others and, and help others. And that, that can be very exhausting. So you better have put yourself in a position where you found your Super Bowl because that's the only thing that's going to energize you to be able to do the job that you want to be able to do the best to your ability in, in our, in our profession. So I'm really excited about that webinar. Would love to have folks join us and, 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 and allow me to share my experience to hopefully help others. And, and I had a lot of help along the way. And, and so that, that's the part that excites me is because I, I had so much help along the way from folks that were willing to share their experiences. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to do the same. Guys, get over there to Tim's website. Uh, sign up for that webinar. Highly recommend it. You know, anything Tim does is gold standard. So this is just the next big thing. But I, I love that term, you know, your Super Bowl. Because everyone's going to be a little bit different. But yep. if you have that goal in mind, it's easier to push through on a daily basis yep. and do all the right things. That's right. All right, Tim. I appreciate you coming on Strength Doc Podcast today. Man, we're going to have to have you on again because I have about 27 different questions I still want to ask you, and I'm sure everyone's going to be dying to hear from you again. I can't wait. Let's do it. All right, man. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, John. Another great episode of the Strength Doc Podcast. Big thanks to Tim DeFrancesco for coming on. I know he's a busy man. And finally, we've had this on the books for about three months. We got it done, and you guys are going to love it. If you did love it as much as I think you did, head over to iTunes, hit us up with a five-star review, and we'll see you guys next week. Until next time, I'm Dr. John Russin with the Strength Doc Podcast. Strength Doc.